And what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Designated Players and MLS Podcast. We're here with Chad from KCSoccerJournal.com and the For the Glory KC Podcast to talk all things Sporting KC 2024 season. Chad, how you doing? Thanks for being here. I'm doing great, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you on. We were just talking about how uh, we we love having people on who have such a depth of knowledge of their teams, uh, and we're going to need it because you know there's a lot to talk about here in in terms of additions and losses. Uh, breakout players uh, and predicted finishes. So definitely want to get a really good inside look on that and uh, couldn't think of anybody better. So really happy that you're here. Um, before we dive into all of that, though, as we always do, it's Scarf for the Week time. I'm going to send it right over to you, Chad, to show us what you've got today. All right, man. So I've got one. It's I'm going to use a little foul language. I apologize in advance. So if you all are familiar with Game of Thrones, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy in addition to Sporting KC. We've got this scarf here. It says, give me 10 good men. And it's Tim Melia dressed as Bronn from Game of Thrones. And that expression comes from, there's this line in the show where they say the Eyrie, this castle in, in Westeros is impregnable. And Bronn says, give me 10 good men and I'll impregnate the bit. And uh, this is Melia. Give him 10 good men right in front of him. And, you know, he'll uh, keep a clean sheet. Maybe we'll clean it up a little bit there. I love it. I love it. That's, you know, Scarves are so much more than, and we've said this on all 27 or however many we've done of these, that scarves are so much more than a piece of fabric. And they've got so much that they can tell in terms of stories and meaning. Uh, and and we that's why we do this this segment. It's so, so unique. So thank you so much for bringing that on. Connor, what are you rocking today? What's your stretch? Um, how about a nice introduction first? You just forget nope. about me like yep, usual? I forgot about you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say that might be my favorite scarf out of every interview we've done so far. That is so good. So, so good. Uh, I try. <laughs> mine's going to bring the quality down a ton because I don't have an SKC scarf. So um, my stretch is related to one of the players that I'm going to be talking about today. So not to spoil it, but got the Houston Dynamo scarf for a, a certain player that will come up in one of our later topics. But I'll let the the listeners kind of piece together who that is. Although I think it's kind of obvious. That's such I got a pretty good I guess. Just, <laughs> I just put it together myself. That's like a three team stretch, dude. I mean, listen, That's... it's I feel like it's the team he's best known for. I mean, here's the deal. Mine's even worse than that. So um <laughs> I try I, whenever I do teams that I don't have the scarf for, I try to use one of my non-MLS MLS scarves on the wall. So I went in, I, I dug through all of your, you know, relatively international players to see if any of them crossed paths with any of the teams on my wall. And of course they did not, because why would they? Um, that being said, I did notice that you have a couple of Germans on the side in Volader, in uh, Liebold, and then in Eric Tommy. So in relation to the Germans on your team, I went to the one Bundesliga scarf that I have uh, and we're rocking Bayern Munich today. So um, the stretch of all stretches, at least to this point in, in the pod. So, um, you know, we're going to we're going to rock it and we're going to make it. We're going to, you know, fake it till we make it. And we're going to we're going to be say it with our chest and the scarf works. And if we say it loud enough and with enough belief, it's got to stick. Right. So <laughs> um, that was scarf of the week. And as much as people want to hear about our, our stretches of scarves, I'm sure they want to talk way more about uh, the Sporting Kansas City 2024 season. So Peter Vermees is back again, the longest tenured manager in MLS. No matter how many times people question him, the man still ends up in the seat. 14th full season, 15th, including his interim period in 2009. Um, 
I don't think, and I think if I my numbers are correct, there's genuinely not been a sporting KC specific season that did not have Peter Vermees involved as a player or a coach. He was, you know, not, you know, there were times when they were the Wizards, but as soon as sporting KC came around, Peter Vermees was there, which I think is awesome. Uh, eighth in the West last year, 15th overall, 44 points, 12 wins, uh, 14 losses, eight draws, lost to Houston in the semis after a very good playoff run. Um, how are we feeling in SKC land? I think there's uh, a bit of a pessimism over the lack of offseason movement for this team. It's pretty much the team that was here last year back, minus a couple legends in Zussi and Espinoza. Gotti Kinda also gone, one designated player out, no designated players in. But you've also returned essentially the same starting lineup that got hot, was the best record in the West from May 1st on. Let's just ignore those 10 games at the beginning of the season where they forgot to like win any soccer matches. And then uh, they carried it all the way to you know the conference semifinals. Feel like we should have been in the finals. That Dynamo scarf kind of burned me a little bit, Connor. It, uh, it hurt. I just saw like an uncalled handball flash through my eyes when that uh, popped up on the screen. Why do I keep oh, doing this? This is multiple times now that I keep bringing out the wrong team scarf. I didn't even That's put it. that together. <laughs> I was say, what you, I'm you not bitter out? about it. <laughs> I didn't even. Bring, I, I brought it out, and I'm like, "Oh, Houston and SKC. Surely these two don't hate each other." <laughs> Guess I was wrong. You know, they're a, they're an old rival. I would say, like this, maybe this will rekindle it a little bit. Having that playoff elimination, they knocked us out of the Open Cup last year too. But then, if you go back in their history a little bit, speaking of like early Peter Vermees days, there was those years, 2011, 2012. Houston eliminated Sporting before in 2013. Sporting finally got the best of Houston and went on to win MLS Cup. So they were pretty bitter rivals there for a little bit, and then it's uh, it's tailed off. Houston's been bad for a while, so that makes it tough to, to for them to be a rival, but. They're they're on the rise. Yeah, and I, and for those of you who are listening, don't worry. We are going to cover all of those uh, history stories in our MLS history series uh, that mm -hmm. we'll do during the season. So if you like that, stick around for those. Those are going to be lots of fun because uh, you're right. Those those games were were something else. The, those Dynamo sides were. They have, that was the last time they were probably fun to watch. Really, but sorry for Houston catching strays. But <laughs> um. You know, let's let's chat then, you know, it, relatively quiet offseason in terms of the incomings. You mentioned no no new DPs just yet. And uh, I believe I saw a little a little blurb from uh, Mr. Vermees saying, don't expect much uh, in, in, in that front. So um, who's the best addition so far of the few that we brought in? Oh, man. So there's literally only four additions. I'll just list them. So you have them. Uh, nobody would be expected to start. You got Zorhan Basang, who's going to be a backup left back because Logan Inembe is out for a while with a torn ACL. Alenis Vargas, who came off of Sporting Kansas City, too. But young, talented, maybe promising. Memo Rodriguez, which I assume is what that scarf reference is for. And then Ryan Sheaway, which was our first round draft pick, a third string goalkeeper. So you're looking at like Memo might play the most out of those guys, but I would say the one I'm most excited about is Alenis Vargas. He he really lit up Sporting KC2 last year in MLS Next Pro. He plays a little right wing. He had to move into striker because like all the other strikers got hurt. I think he scored like six goals, five assists, something like that off the top of my head. And he's only 20 years old, signed long-term through 2026 with an option for 2027. So I'm I'm excited about him. I'm hoping that... Man, he breaks out. He's the like right winger of the future because Johnny Russell's not getting any younger. I don't want to alienate my own fan base, but he's about to turn 34. And, uh, you know, father time is undefeated. 
Yeah, as, uh, on on our podcast, he's uh, he's on the wrong side of thirty, as one of my co-hosts yeah. likes to say. Um, I'm just going to pick it so back off. Most of his roster, honestly, is on the wrong side yeah. of thirty for Sporting KC. Definitely, definitely true, and and that's kind of why the the quiet off season is a little worrying from the neutral point of view because you could see guys coming in to kind of start replacing the the core coming up, and um, you know, I I I think there was more that could have been done, but. Um, I'm going to piggyback off you and, and mention um, Vargas as well. I I really liked what he did, or at least numbers-wise, uh, in SKC2. And MLS Next Pro isn't a direct correlation to MLS, right? You you know, there are always going to be guys who are good at the um, development level and not so good at the top level, uh, a.k.a. Tom Barlow, man after my heart. Um, but... I think I think Vargas has a lot of the tools, especially in the system that they play with the players around him. That that could be a a, a solid addition. So uh, I'm definitely with you there. And like you mentioned, not too many to choose from, but uh, I'll let Connor go ahead and uh, and throw on his uh, his memo his memo stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said. There's really just not any additions this off season that are probably going to have a big impact this first this immediate season, but. I went with Memo because I figured he will have the the most impact over at least probably the next season or two. Uh, he's not going to be a starter. He's not, I would say, pegged to replace one of the wingers if they were to move on. I don't think he's the guy that you look for as the starting level winger, but I love his versatility to be able to play in many different positions in the attack, maybe even in, in the midfield as well. Uh, I think he's going to be great off the bench. He's got a lot of experience in the league and we saw what he was capable of with Houston. Maybe he just needs to find the right place to kind of rekindle that productivity. Maybe that's SKC for him. I feel like he could get a better shot here than what he had in Austin or LA where he got very sparse minutes. I think considering the winger depth that they currently have, I think there could be a decent chance that he gets some game time on the wings or even if it's uh, an attacking mid role, maybe something similar to what Eric Tommy provides for the team if he needs a rest. Uh, I think Memo could be capable of doing that as well. So uh, I think Vargas definitely has the bigger upside, but I think Memo has the more instant impact. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, kind of piggyback on that. I think Tommy is where he's going to end up lining up. Like he'll be Tommy's backup, I would guess. I'm a sicko, so I like look at the preseason lineups and the PR staff is nice enough to tweet them out in the same order all the time. So you can tell who's lined up where. And ever since Memo arrived as a trialist in preseason, he's been backing up Eric Tommy. He's been coming on for Eric Tommy. So I think we see him in that kind of left-sided, more attacking eight because, you know, Sporting doesn't really play with a true 10. They they make their midfielders get up and down the field and hustle and play some defense too. Uh, Polito plays the 10 and the nine and the nine and a half. He's, he's, he's covering all that space. So the the midfielders got to do a lot of trucking up and down the field. But I, I, I think he's like... Um, a discounted Eric Tommy, right? And Eric Tommy's like um, designated player memos, a couple hundred thousand dollars or was last year. That's not a bad production to get a guy with that many minutes across USL and MLS. And you know, he's got some good experience. So hopefully uh, he can keep the levels up. He's no, it's not going to be Gotti Kinda, but you know, you don't have two DPs in one spot. It's kind of weird to do that anyways, I think. Yeah. No, no disagreements on that. Um, you mentioned you mentioned you know those attacking eights that you've got there. Um, I can imagine that when we talk about the biggest loss, uh, one of those eights might be might be that name in in there. But 
uh, who who is your biggest loss for this team in the offseason? Yeah, I think from a like production standpoint, it's got to be Gattikenda. He was starting in the playoffs. He he lit St. Louis on fire to the delight of all Kansas City fans in in those uh, two legged series there. Well, I think it could have been a three legged series, but we didn't bother doing the whole three leg thing. Like, let's just get it over with. Let's eliminate them. So uh, yeah, Kenda from a production standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, there you know there's like some casual fans out there that are probably not even aware that Graham Zusi and Roger Espinosa are not on the team anymore and going to be a little heartbroken when they open their program on opening day and see a lack of a couple of legends, you know, Zussi. I don't, I don't even know what's going on. He hasn't announced anything. Roger sounds like he's retired, but Zussi, the, the, the heart of the team, right? That's going to be a tough one. Just going to piggyback off you again there. Cause that's exactly what I've got is in, in terms of a production, Scotty Keenan, the guy to pull the strings, you know, uh, you saw how they were uh, super impacted without him and other players, but you know, him as well. Uh, and they haven't quite replaced him just yet. Memo is, you know, maybe going to be that that helper there, but uh, still a, a hole to fill, especially at the level, right, the designated player quality. Um, but again, it, talking about the biggest loss to a fan base, especially the non-casuals, the, the diehards, the ones who have been there from, you know, day one, um, it, it's got to be Graham Zeus. I mean, <laughs> there is no other time there was a Graham Zeus in the league when he wasn't, affiliated to, to KC. So, you know, it's just a different, it's just a different feeling. And he's gone through so much, you know, World Cups and um US men's national team camps and moving from winger to, to midfield to right back. I mean, all over the shop. I mean, he's done so much for you guys and not having him there. And, and again, maybe not in terms of a production thing, but it, it's just one of those like you're always going to see him there. Again, to use a Red Bull reference, like a Ryan Mera to me, much less more uh, you know, impactful, but our our number two goalkeeper has always been Ryan Merritt. He's been that way for since twelve years now, and it's like the day he is not there, it's gonna be like, well, now what? <laughs> that's not how that's supposed to go. So, uh, totally agree with you, Connor. Your your thoughts? I think it's it's a bit wild that you compared Graham Zusi to Ryan Merritt. That's the exact same. <laughs> what's happening right now? That's a little. I feel like that's a stretch. I mean, I get that Mara's your your consistent guy, but I mean, Graham Susie's an MLS legend, arguably one of, if not the best, right back in MLS history. Versus a guy who's played sixty-seven times in his career, and L- listen, if almost want, a third if of that was with Red Bull too. If you've got three hours, I'll give you my my theory on what would have happened if uh, uh, Espindola didn't clean out his knee against DC United in 2012 and where we would have been. So I could give that, you that. I'm not going you to, can, but I could. You can write that up and put that on the web somewhere for everybody else to read, but I'm good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to triple down on the Gotti Quinta. I went with him as well. Uh, I think injuries really derailed his time in MLS. Is When he was healthy... I thought he showed really good flashes of being a really solid designated player in the league, and he just couldn't stay healthy enough to do so. Um, I think I I agree with the team's decision to to move on and free up that DP spot and hopefully look to bring in someone that's going to be a bit healthier there because I just think it hurts the team a lot when you're you lose a DP spot to someone who's spending a lot of time injured. Uh, it, it's just a spot that you can go and potentially bring in someone who's going to stay healthy and also be a game changer on the field, but uh. I, I ultimately went with him because uh, kind of the same reason that you were both talking about it. He just had the most contribution last season, even while battling some of the injuries. You know, I'll add on a little bit about Kindis. So they they wanted to bring him back. Like Peter Vermees said, after the season, they were trying to bring him back. It sounded like that was the plan all along. 
And then they just couldn't get a deal worked out and he ended up back in Israel, which is where he had played before and where he he moved as a like small child. So he I think there was a pull to be back there with all the, you know, the war and everything that's happening over there. And he has a little baby and his wife is from there, too. So I don't know that it was um, anything to do with sporting not wanting him. I'm, I'm pretty sure they did want him. And I was I was deep down hoping that he was only a designated player because of his transfer fee. He had like a four million dollar fee. So I was thinking, gosh, if we can keep Gotti Kendon, he's he's like a TAM level player. And then you have a DP slot open still, which they do. Then you could get a DP and Gotti Kendon. And he just basically had one catastrophic injury that lasted like a season and a half. So, you know, that's that's not great. But the other times he was pretty productive. And once he finally got rolling last year, he looked good again. But yeah, it's going to be it'll be sad for him not to be there and sad that they are not making a signing before the season starts to bolster this roster in some way. Yeah, that's got to be a little underwhelming, right? Especially after you make that deep run, you're like, man, maybe we're just one piece, you know, obviously we're one call away, right? The, the missed handball, but maybe we're just one or two pieces away from from really making making an impact in this league and then to come out and you know your your biggest signing is either a, an skc2 guy or memo rodriguez and you've got a dp spot open that's got to be you know i don't want to say it's got to hurt but it might hurt yeah i would say i don't know that i i'm hurting as much as a lot of the fan base seems to be hurting it, the team is i would say if you look at our starting lineup i feel pretty comfortable about everybody that's out there in the starting lineup but Everybody behind them is virtually either an unknown, an MLS journeyman, a kid that's never played. Uh, you know, it's just you don't know exactly what you have. I'm hoping that some of these guys uh, are capable and we don't run the veterans into the ground. But uh, if you've ever watched a Peter Vermees managed team, he loves to play the same people over and over. Hey, it worked last week. Let's just do that again. And uh, that that could end up being troublesome. But as far as the like big signing, whether it's a DP or you all mentioned uh, Acosta before we were starting there. And he's not coming, obviously, but I just want him to get it right. Because if you get it wrong, you live in with this decision for years. They're not going to buy anybody out. That's not really the way sporting does things. They're not, what, Charlotte, who are just like, yeah, hard GPs don't work. Let's just sell them, buy them out, whatever. Uh, that's not how our ownership spends. They want to actually turn a profit. So got to get it right, whether it's, you know, before this first transfer window, primary transfer window closes in April or the summer window, just get it right. Yeah, totally fair. Um, we're talking about these players who have left and, and players who might step up here. Who's your player to watch this year who might have a breakout season? You know, actually, Matt Doyle just talked about this today in one of his articles. He did like a breakdown of every team. And I felt like his answer was a bit of a cop out. I don't want to pick on Matt Doyle because, you know, he knows a lot more about the other 28 teams than I do. But it's, uh, he said Jake Davis. And I feel like Jake Davis broke out last year, right? He broke into the starting lineup. He made Zussi expendable, who we just talked about. And I thought for sure, we just kept saying all season, well, when Zussi's healthy, he's going to come back and take this job from Davis. And it, it never happened. And then they, declined his option and moved on from like a club legend here. So I don't want to go that direction. I feel like that's too safe of a pick. Yeah. Jake Davis is going to be good. I'm, I'm, I'm relying on it. I'm counting on it. I'm going to say Steven Afrifa. He is our first round draft pick from last season. He went back to college and finished. He played for FIU. So he didn't join the team until like April, May ish, give or take, you know, after he graduated from college, and then he just kind of took some time, didn't get a lot of minutes, played a little bit with the twos. 
in preseason, Peter, every time we talk to him after a preseason game, he is just glowing. They're like, he's the real deal. He's making us all pay attention. He's been playing a shallow. He's been resting with some sort of minor injury. So he he's moved out to the left wing where he was a center forward at the last year or so of college. I'm hoping for a Stephen Afri for a breakout year, if I could say his name. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go on the record here saying that it's quite clear Matt Doyle stole from us uh, because we were putting these out before he put that article out. I, I mean, listen, I'm not going to be the guy to the one to tell the guy, but I mean, I'm sure people listening know where the idea started, but um, I'm actually going to follow on to your, your uh, you know, the easy take, but it's, it's a different spin. So I picked Jake Davis here, but not to break out as a guy that um, you know, we haven't heard of before and, and he's going to break into like massive starting minutes, but a guy who's going to go from a consistent starter to one of the best in the league at his position. That's kind of what I'm looking at here because I mean, looking at the way that he played and how highly rated he was among other fullbacks. I mean, defensively he was, he was fantastic per 90 minutes uh, numbers looked great. His attacking returns were relatively low, though, so it'd be really cool to see if he can get involved a little bit more on that end and, and bring himself up into that conversation with some of the other right backs in this league to be in that conversation of like, yeah, if I'm picking if I'm picking the top seven right backs in, in the entire league, top eight, Jake Davis is up there, right? That's that's what I'm looking for out of Jake Davis, not necessarily a, oh, I've never heard of this guy, and let's see what he does because he was he was great last year, but want to see if he can break from the consistent everyday kind of just a, a, another starter that people say, okay, he's playing whatever to, I got to keep an eye on this guy. Cause he might break into something special. Mr. Wright. What do you got? Yeah. I got the same thing as you. Um, I also <laughs> went Jake Davis. Uh, I, I feel like from the neutral perspective, considering how I feel like, quiet the media was on skc last year i just don't really remember hearing much about jake davis i did see when i was researching there was one little graphic that they put together about like some young players to keep an eye on and jake davis was mentioned last year so that kind of like you know sparked my mind when i was looking for a breakout player for skc because i just don't remember hearing about him at all as a neutral last year so when i looked at it and i'm like wow this dude played 2000 minutes last year i feel like Maybe from the neutral perspective, a lot of people were like, oh, well, Graham Zussi's still on the roster. You're like, right back for SKC? That's Graham Zussi. So now Zussi's gone. I think people will be like, okay, well, who's playing that position for SKC now? And that's when people can be like, oh, it's actually been the guy that got 2,000 minutes last year and played majority of the time for them. Now he's got a full season where he'll be... Granted, he was majority starter last year, but Zussi still did get about almost 1,000 minutes last year. So... I think Davis can build upon it, get even more minutes this year, become even more of a consistent uh, backline defender for them uh, and, and start to make his name a bit more known to the neutrals. Because I'm sure I'm sure in SKC world, he is definitely very well known and surely broken out already. But um, I think based on what Andrew and I both going for Jake Davis, I, I think there's probably still room to grow in terms of notoriety with the neutrals. No, that feels fair to me because if you if you look at it like I if you said the same equivalent person on the Red Bulls, I'd probably be like, well, I mean, I know who like John Tolkien is over there at fullback, but then outside of that, I probably don't know who your fullbacks are. So uh, I could see where you all are coming from. Davis is such an interesting story too because 
all through SKC Academy, SKC2, because he's been moving up the pipeline here. He has been like a Roger Espinosa, like box to box, physical, violent midfielder. He he gets so many cards. He had so many yellow cards and red cards in MLS Next Pro. Well, mostly in the USL Championship back then before they had switched over. And then all of a sudden, he was like the fourth or fifth option at right back. They tried so many people. It was, obviously, Susie got hurt. Caden Pierre is only 20, who's a talent. He's about to turn 21, I think. He uh, he was supposed to be the right back of the future. He played five minutes last year and blew out his hamstring and just never could get healthy for the rest of the year. They tried Kyrie Shelton at right back. They tried Cam Duke at right back, who's another midfielder who's now gone. He's on Charlotte's second team, uh, Crown Legacy. And finally, they just like accidentally got Jake Davis in at right back, and he was a revelation. So imagine... Like he can now spend an off season preparing and learning how to play a position he's not never played because he played there in spots for the twos, but he's not put any sort of consistent minutes at before last year. So I think that is, even though I I, I basically knocked down your pick before you said it, that it's a safe pick. I think it's, yeah, I think he's going to be a talent, assuming everything goes well. And he's a workhorse, man. He's just never tired. He's, he runs till, till the game is over and, uh, who doesn't love seeing somebody that just puts in like iron lungs out there and can go forever. I feel like we hear so many situations nowadays of, of midfielders becoming fullbacks. I mean, our, our one of our running jokes on the podcast is left back Kellen Acosta because he got some time <laughs> playing as a fullback for the USMNT. But I, I do genuinely feel like I hear a lot of stories now of like these central midfielders that p- get like pivoted out to a fullback and really succeed. Like, I know one that comes to my mind immediately is Sergio Roberto for Barcelona. I remember back when he was a midfielder at first and then got moved up to right back and did really well there. So maybe that's a a strategy for some teams to look down when they uh, are a little bit thin on the fullback positions. I mean, Roger Espoz, I mentioned him. He started in MLS as a left back because the midfield was too talented. You can't put these young kids in at the midfield. You need somebody that you could trust out there. And then he went out and earned the trust at left back. And so Jake Davis, who knows, maybe one day he'll still be that box to box destroyer in the midfield. And Caden Pierre can be the right back of our future. He can, he's our uh, dark horse for a uh, breakout player for sporting KC when Davis has to go cover for some injury, since we have no depth in the midfield whatsoever. If we're, if we're, if we're dropping midfield, the outside back names, I, I'll just throw one more out there before we move on. And that's just one guy you may have heard of him. His name is Tyler Adams. When he was 17, he played right back for Red Bull before he, we were like, all right, this is stupid. This dude covers 21 miles a game, throw him in the midfield and let him just destroy. But yeah, there was a, there was a run of 15, 20 games where he, he played right back for Red Bull. We were, and yeah, actually he got, he got time at USMNT as a right back. Greg tried playing with inverted right backs at one point. And it was like, it was a nightmare. So luckily that, that didn't stick because now he's a, you know, a very good center mid, but yeah, it's right back for a little bit. Yeah. Him and Caden Pierre probably should share hamstrings because neither of them have two healthy hamstrings. Is it too soon? Is that, is that too much for you? No, no, it's, it's (laughs) totally fair. I mean, he he's joining a very long list of uh, what would have happened if this USMNT starlet would have stayed healthy, which is unfortunate, (laughs) but um. That moves us to our uh, one of our final segments here, which is what we call one big question, which is what's the what's the one question left in, in your mind for this team, maybe throughout the season or that they still have to answer right now um, as as you enter into 2024. 
Oh gosh, I, I don't know if I can narrow it down to one. I've got like lots of questions. So I want to know who that DP is going to be. We already kind of talked about that. So I'll, I'll push that one aside. Uh, I would say, can they find consistency from their depth? Like we said, they're a top, top heavy roster. I The the analogy I've been using is I think their ceiling is very high. You saw how good they can be when everything's clicking last year, but the floor was abysmally low, like literally the worst team in the league for the first 10 games of the season, like the worst start in league history, 10 games, three draws, three goals, and seven losses. So they've got to find contributions from someone other than the starters. We mentioned Jake Davis breaking out, you know, Afrifa, maybe Vargas. Some combination of these guys have to break through because if they go 10 games without a win again, Peter Vermees' longest run as MLS manager might actually come to an end. Although this is, uh, he just started a five-year extension. He signed it last year before they lost for 10 straight games or, you know, didn't win. So I, I don't know if Vermees' seat will ever really get hot. He's he's such uh, ingrained with the ownership there. Like you said, he's literally been the guy ever since they've been sporting Kansas City. But if you don't win and you can't play the kids and they aren't successful, we could learn a lot from the Red Bulls, man. They 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 know how to play their youth. Maybe too much. We're going to find a balance between these two teams. Oh, my gosh. It might be the perfect team. <laughs> yeah, we've been saying that for a while now over here. If only we just learned how to spend on somebody and that somebody be good. And like that team over there, like that, that or that team or that team or all of the teams. Let's just be like that. Um, Connor, your question. Uh, so my questions, I think, on a similar wavelength, but I think maybe a bit more broad. Um, and that's just, can the team get any consistency this season? I I'm looking at the past few seasons for SKC. First in the West, 11th in the West. First in the West, third in the West, 12th in the West. So it's like, they're either top of the West, bottom of the West. And then last year, obviously, was a little bit in between uh, finishing, I think, ninth in the West. But it just seems to be up and down and up and down. I, I want to see if they can find some consistency like they had from... I'd say the stretch, I mean, for a while, they had a, a good consistency. All like the early 2010s, they were consistently in the playoffs, consistently a top 10 team in the supporter shield. And now it just feels like it's either, you know, the highest of highs or lowest of lows. So I want to see if they can start to build some consistency towards the that form that they had in the early 2010s. I like that. Um, mine mine kind of uh, builds off of Chad's here it's more specific, uh, and that's that's based off of a, a striker named Willie Agata. And it's can he come back to that form he was in pre-injury? Um, because Polito's great, and he is going to be very good for you. But having a really good second option, we mentioned the depth, who is just as dangerous, can take a team from being good to being great or being not so good to being good enough, right? And, um, you know, I, I have a, a, a series of really bad predictions uh, on this podcast. We do predictions for every season. I may have said Willie Agata was going to win the Golden Boot last year. So, uh, yeah, that that's that's on me. Sorry, um, but yeah, having you know, it was clear that when he was here, the back end of twenty two, he was he was dangerous. He was fun to watch. He was explosive, uh, and it was like, oh, him and Polito are going to do damage. And then they never got a chance to kind of to, to build off each other. So um, that's something I'm going to be watching. I like that, too. I mean, of course, I want Willie to be super successful. And if you look at him last year, he was playing with like a 
partial broken bone or something crazy and he didn't realize and he's like i'm fine coach let me play and then he had surgery because he was just like not right at the beginning of the season something wasn't right Polito was still coming back from his injury he wasn't out there and then he gotta goes out has surgery comes back and he showed a little sign of that life he didn't get on the field a lot you know he's working back to fitness and it's hard to displace alan Polito. but i think at the beginning of the season they were building towards a two striker setup at times because they were trying to play tommy next to agata as the dual forwards instead of like the traditional four three three and it just didn't work because Tommy's not Alan Polito. But if you got Polito and Agata out there, like you got that pace and the, the wild recklessness of Agata and Polito, not known for his speed, but he can do a lot of other things really well. And I, I'm intrigued to see that and to see some kind of tactical flexibility. People get mad about, well, we know Peter's going to play the 4-3-3 and they're going to try to possess the ball. But at times, like when they played St. Louis last year, they just gave them the ball in the playoffs and St. Louis didn't know what to do with it. I hear that that's how the Red Bulls struggle too. I don't want to but just stab at you guys even more. That's We're oh, just God. calling them energy drink soccer over here in the Western Conference for, for St. Louis. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll say and and you know we won't dive too as much as we love talking about Red Bull here. Um, St. Louis when when they started doing what Bradley Carnell was doing and taking our our system and putting it in there, we knew how it was going to end. We knew exactly you know it was going to get you great results in the regular season, and then teams are going to say screw it, you have the ball, and we'll we'll wait for you to make a mistake. And that's what happened. And they got hurt that way, and and you knew it was going to happen. And we were talking about it before earlier in our in our uh, uh, St. Louis City coverage that. They've got the ability to do something Red Bull didn't, and that's make changes that will work. Um, but will Carnell go away from it? I don't know. But um, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, listen, they'll be more than happy to be, uh, you know, in in the. I feel like they're they're going to be a team that's be like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make playoffs, we're gonna be competitive, we're gonna do that, uh, and then you know, be like, oh, we're still we're still a young team when they don't win in MLS Cup playoffs. So that's just my prediction. But speaking of predictions, it's time to make predictions on the sporting kansas city 2024 season where are they finishing on the end of decision day oh gosh i hate making predictions i feel like i'm i'm so bad at this i there are like two or three injuries away from like completely falling apart and missing the playoffs if some kids don't show up and fill those shoes but then at the other side if if things work out and go beautifully like uh connor was saying they could they could be the best team i think um a goal for them should be to finish fourth get a home playoff game, be in the top half of the the seeds, not have to play in the wild card game again last year and make us all sweat it out at the end of the year and go on. You kind of got lucky, right? You get St. Louis when they're a little cold and the, you know, the perfect eight versus one matchup, like any of the other teams who, who knows if it plays out like that. And if they can get in fourth and they get at least one home game, I think that would be a successful start to the season. Just be be healthy down the stretch. Be healthy when the playoffs hit. That's what every team wants, right? Uh, the regular season kind of matters, but if you're in the right spot when the playoffs come, that's what really matters. Love that. Connor, what about you? What are you thinking? Oh, I'm going to look like the bad guy now. Um, it's fine. I, I expect everybody <laughs> to underestimate us. We can be the underdogs. That's all right. It, uh, usually our prediction track record is not very good anyway. So if we say bad things, it's probably a good sign for teams. So um, I was talking about consistency before and probably not the kind of consistency SKC is looking for, but I kind of see them around the same range as last season. I think probably around that play in spot again. So like the 9, 10, 11 range. I just think I have question marks on how 
the ability of some of the key players to stay healthy, like Pulido. Pulido's missed like 70 games across his career from injuries. Yeah. And he, he's always, I feel like he's always battling some kind of injury. And when he's healthy, he's, he actually looks really, really good. Like one of the better strikers in the league. And I think highly underrated because he, I feel like he misses a lot of time when he's hurt, but I do find that he is hurt a decent amount. I mean, I think he missed, I, I was looking at his numbers and I think he missed the entire 2022 season. No. Um, which might have been like majority of the games that he's missed in his career. But uh, then it's kind of a question mark of what is Willie Agata going to look like? Like Andrew was talking about, how does he look maybe coming back from the injury that you were mentioning? Is he going to hit that same level where he was absolutely electric hot when he first joined? Uh, and then I just, I kind of look at the off season where I don't see too many changes. So I don't uh, like, it would have to be guys stepping up from their levels from last season to see them kind of rise up the table because I do feel like a lot of teams in the West did improve. So I don't necessarily think it's a situation where they could hit the same level as last year and teams will just be worse. Um, and I think while they didn't lose a ton in the offseason, I think they lost a little bit to kind of like offset. So I see them in a similar spot to last year, probably playing around that playing game spot. I am going to combine a whole bunch of things that we've spoken about already to make this <laughs> prediction. And it's a fact that they did get hot at the right time, which is very important in the playoffs. Um, but we talked a lot about their depth and, and stepping up and especially in the central midfield. And I'm, I, I like their starting 11 or the starting three in that 11. If it ends up being the four, three, three, I think Rodojo, Voltaire and, and Tommy are going to be uh, totally fine. But that next guy up, whether it be memo, whether it be uh, a, a, a two kid, whoever it may be, you know, as, as we mentioned, not proven unknown or, or journeyman. So, um, you know, your, your front four, uh, shallowy Russell, Pulido, Agata, uh, a if he breaks out, you know, that should be enough for playoffs, but I do feel low. Uh, if everything clicks, like we talked about, I think it'd be high as six, seven. Uh, if everything doesn't click, I think it could go down to maybe 10, 11, um, but I'll be positive and keep my my you know three four game range in the playoffs and say that the last play in spot is probably the low the low ceiling for this group. I'm hurting right bad. now, gentlemen. I'm hurting this. Uh, <laughs> you're underestimating us, <laughs> us like I'm contributing to the team in some way. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I'm I'm hoping for you know the those. Seattle Sounders teams a few years ago that always wait to make that big DP signing in the summer. Peter's just waiting to get it right. Now, I do think they were in on Kellen Acosta. Tom Bogart had done a lot of reporting around that. And I think that that was kind of the plan is to have him come in and be, he's, you know, jack of all trades there in the midfield. He can do all those spots for him and provide either start or be great depth all across the board there and losing out on that could, could come back and bite them a little bit. But if they do it right, they get a good DP wait. Maybe it replaces somebody that goes down because there will be injuries inevitably, right? So if you get the right guy, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm wishful thinking over here. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, we'll come. You can invite me back when we're in MLS Cup and we have won the West and put everybody to shame. I will make that note right now to make sure we do that because <laughs> that, uh, we 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 have we haven't done any of this like with guests ever. So whenever we make a dumb prediction, we never have to face the consequences. But when when Connor now now that we have the guess, when Connor's bad predictions are come true. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm gonna, the prediction sure champion the on the podcast right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, y'all. We're gonna have to just wait and see how this goes. Lots of hope because that's what seasons are. You don't you never go into a season without any hope. And uh, you know, it's MLS. You never know what's gonna happen. 
So, um, you know, something to look forward to and something to be excited for. Chad, thank you so much for being here. We really enjoyed your insight. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you all for having me. It was a good time. It's nice to be able to go deep. My podcast, it's my wife as my co-host and she's got that casual perspective. So it is nice being able to like go into the weeds and not have to explain everything to her or the audience. Yeah, yeah. And that's... Uh... <laughs> That's, you know, it's always fun to, you know, we don't do, we call it a not so deep dive for a reason because we could go a heck of a lot deeper if we wanted to. Um, but we also don't want to put out four hour episodes because, you know, as much fun as that are, that is for everybody, um, we don't have that sort of upload space. So um, <laughs> we want to give you a little bit of time to plug your links and let people know where to find you. So go for it. Uh, yeah. So I'd say the easiest thing, follow me on Twitter at play for 90, you know, soccer matches are 90 minutes long. Uh, you can find me at kcsoccerjournal.com and uh, at my podcast. If you're interested in hearing a, a casual perspective about sporting KC, uh, we balance it out. That's for the glory KC. You can search them anywhere you get the good podcasts. Wonderful. All right. Everybody go over, give them, give them some love, go subscribe. Let them know you came from our show. And if you're new from the uh, SKC side, listening to us for the first time uh, and you like the way that we do things here, give us a follow too. We're going to give you, you know, weekly updates on some of the bigger MLS news uh, breaking stories that come week by week. So we'll probably have to talk about these kit prices and um, you know, things like that in the first episode. So you want to hear our thoughts on that spoiler alert. They're probably like everybody else's um, you know, come on, listen to that. Uh, we do MLS history, like we we're kind of hinting at before, where we break down uh, fan-selected stories from uh, all throughout MLS history. So uh, we've hit SKC or, or the Wizards uh, a heck of a lot over the last uh, 50 episodes we've done of that. So uh, you guys can go back and listen to some of that. Uh, and if you like these team previews and you want to know what St. Louis is doing or what the Red Bulls are doing or what Atlanta's doing or I don't know what any other team is doing. We've done 29 of these with 29 guests. So you can go on and uh, have a listen to those and, and figure out what other teams are feeling about their year as well. Uh, Chad, thanks so much again for coming on. We really, really enjoyed this. Uh, listeners, we hope you enjoyed that as well. Um, and we will see you next time on the next episode of the Designated Players and MLS Podcast. See ya.